basically every photo shoot I do anytime I'm on a project and I'm photographing someone, I always try and photograph one one frame. And this is something I, I took from uh, Zach Arias. Uh, and he's like, what if this is the last portrait that was ever taken of someone? So I always try and at least get one shot of someone that I think really establishes who they are in this moment. I normally don't tell them that that's the moment it's happening or that I have this secret underlying project or anything. Sometimes I'll just pull them off to the side and I'm like, oh, the light looks really good here. And then I'm like, cool, just give me like a really honest, like straight to the camera expression. And I try and get it like two or three frames because they're for me. You know, it's not it's not the shot that's going to go on the billboard or anything. It's just, you know, the thing I'm trying to do. So if we're going technical, it's like you put on a 50 millimeter, like as shallow as I possibly can focus right on the eyes. And it just gives you this very like honest, like easy expression. Welcome to the We Are Photographers podcast from Creative Live. I'm your host, Kenna Klosterman, bringing you true stories from behind the lens and behind the lives of your favorite photographers, filmmakers, and creative industry game changers. From their struggles to their wins, we get the real human stories about why they do what they do. I believe there is something to learn from everyone's story. If you're ready to join us in the hustle, listen, get inspired, and discover why, in the end, the creative journey is all worth it. Tyler Babin is a photographer, videographer, and creative director based out of New York City. He's currently a 2019-2020 Adobe Creative Resident, where he's paid by Adobe to, simply put, create. No clients, just creating. We recorded this episode in person during Creative Live's biggest conference of the year, Photoshop Week, where Tyler's story came full circle. You'll find out what led him to landing a spot as an Adobe Creative Resident, and the ongoing evolution of a year-long documentary project pulling the curtain behind the reality of digital influencer culture. We learn why he quit his dream job for Vanier Media, where three years earlier, on his last day as an intern, he talked his way into becoming a personal videographer for Gary Vanierchuk in a 45-minute taxi ride. We discuss how his journey all started when Tyler was 18 years old and flew across the country to be a student in Matthew Jordan Smith's workshop right here at Creative Live. This is We Are Photographers with Tyler Babin, and this is his story. Tyler Babin, so yes. exciting to have you here in the studios at Creative Live. It's yep. been how many years since seven, I saw you last in person? Seven or eight, something like that. It's like such a full circle moment to be back here. It's unbelievable. I love it. And that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast uh, because you have such a relatable story um, to uh, most people who are out there listening in terms of the struggle, the hustle, you know, all of that, that um, so many of us either are doing or are afraid to do. Mm -hmm. And so I would just love to explore uh, more of your story, because as I say, everybody has a story. Yeah. So tell us about what you're doing now. Let's start with now. So at the moment, uh, I'm a 2019-2020 Adobe Creative Resident. And it's cool. I'm finally sort of taking a step back from working on client work and building other people's brands and trying to implement the whole strategy on myself, which is really cool. So being able to finally kind of dig into all the projects I've wanted to do and starting around a documentary for influencer culture. All right. So what does it mean to be an Adobe resident? A lot of people might not even know what that is. And it's the coolest job ever. It's literally a creative dream job. Right. Um, So the program's still really in its infancy. I believe this is the fifth year they're doing it. Um, 
and every year Adobe picks a handful of people and sponsors them for the year, gives them a salary and benefits and takes away the financial friction of making it in a lot of ways and gives you a year to just sort of throw everything against the wall and make it happen. You actually shared it in in a vlog, but what was that, which is super cool, of <laughs> the phone call when you yeah. actually got, yeah. what did that feel like? Um, it felt like the moment was like finally here. It was like all the hard work was sort of starting to pay off a little bit. Because um, I've been, been in New York for four years now. And New York's like a grind of a city. And so there's so, so often you don't really realize what you're building there and like what you're trying to do. And so getting that phone call and finally being like, okay, this is like, this has been like the culmination of all this work. And it's finally like time to actually go, which is ironic because it's not like the foot was coming off the pedal at all. It was like, all right, time to actually double down and go even harder. (laughs) Which is pretty crazy given your story of moving to New York, uh, which is something that, Again, a lot of people uh, think about, dream about, you did it. Uh, So let's go then, let's get back to four or five years ago when you did that, and um, why, and what was it like, and what allowed you to jump? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, if we push back even further, the whole seed of moving to New York started in downstairs in Studio A. You know, like Matthew Jordan Smith was like, go to New York, that's where you'll figure it out. And then it took me like four years to actually figure out how to move to New York because I was just from a small town and was figuring it out. Wait, um, so let me let me pause yeah, there. Yeah. Okay, so let's explain to people yeah. how old were you <laughs> when you came and were in Matthew Jordan Smith's class here in person at Cradle Live? I had like just turned eighteen. Yeah, a couple months before. I think at the time we were like Tyler Babin, our youngest student ever yeah. <laughs> in the studio audience. I think so. Yeah. And you were pretty motivated then because you didn't live in Seattle. No, no, I lived in Florida. That was like my first time away from home. I was like, I'll, I'll just try it. <laughs> and this is back when we were like doing like video. You had to submit a video yeah, to be yeah. selected. So, yeah, you get a video and then you got like a personal email like with the reply if you got it or not. It was it was a whole process. It was. Um, it's funny. I was uh, so I'm like obviously doing a vlog of this whole whole week here and kind of flashing back to it and I found the original submission video that I sent in and it's so cringy like to look back at it I'm like oh my god I thought I knew how to talk to a camera I had no idea and here we are again yeah um okay let's talk about the job that you quit uh before (laughs) yeah once you got accepted for the Adobe residency Um, because you must have had to, to to be in the right place at the right time, have done some great personal work yeah. uh, for this particular job. Yeah. So it's funny how how much uh, this building we're in sort of like connects all the dots. It's like, especially now, like thinking through the whole story. Um, I was a big fan of Chase Jarvis, of course, and he was like a big impacting reason as to why I wanted to become a photographer. And he had a little guy named Gary Vaynerchuk on CJ Live. A little guy. Just a little guy. Um, <laughs> that's 2013, so right whenever Gary's uh, Jab, 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 Right Hook book yep. had come out. Mm-hmm, I remember. And I was like, Gary seems really interesting. And so I started following Gary really closely. And then still years are going by. I'm trying to figure out how to move to New York, um, following all these like online personalities. And one day I stumble across VaynerMedia, Gary's agency, and they needed a graphic design intern. And I said, I can be a graphic designer. I was not a graphic designer. You were not at a all. graphic designer. I was not designer. a graphic designer at all, but I was like, I can figure it out. Um, applied, somehow convinced them I, I knew what I was doing. And they said, Cool, can you be in New York in two weeks? And two I weeks. said, Sure. And so I packed up one suitcase and a backpack 
with like camera gear and enough clothes for the summer basically and left and it was a summer internship it was a summer internship uh it was lasting like six weeks so okay. i went in and that was kind of that was like that's my moment right I, this is going to be the the time at impact so i went as hard as i possibly could for that summer it was like coming in at six in the morning leaving at 10 o'clock at night i was like i'm going to be the best intern i can possibly be um and I got noticed and it was great. And like, I was getting attention as like this intern that was like grinding super hard. And then one day I got an email and they were like, look, we love you. You've been great for the summer, but uh, we don't really have anything else for you to do. So this Friday is going to be your last day. And I was like, oof. Okay. And so I walk out of the office that day. And like, I remember I'm like standing on the corner of like Park Avenue, just looking around at the city. And I'm like, I guess it's time to go home. Cause I don't know what, what to do next. Um, wow. Yeah. And, and cause you've just worked probably the hardest of your life yeah and did you feel like in that moment i'm like picturing you standing on the corner yeah did you feel like you had even experienced new york because you were working so hard where you did you it was was <laughs> it like a what am i doing here i mean I, i've lived in new york for four years now and i still don't think i've experienced new york because ah. i've just like lived in offices um I think that's kind of, that's always like the funny part about New York is it's so difficult to kind of exist there like in such an expensive place and you have to work so hard because that's where the best creatives in the world go to prove themselves. And so I feel like you land in that city and if you're like in the mindset of you want to be the best in the world at something, you can never like slow down to go to the Statue of Liberty or anything like that. So I still don't feel like I've like lived in New York even though I love New York and like I never want to leave it. But yeah, I, I was sort of standing there and I was like, I haven't experienced the city. Like, I don't know what to do next. Sort of like the bank account was starting to run low. I was like, I have to figure something out. And so I emailed Gary. And at this point, I had just been working on client work at VaynerMedia. I hadn't actually met Gary yet. You hadn't even met him. Hadn't met Gary. Okay. I had seen him like twice in the halls okay. and I was like, hey, and he's like, what's up? And that was it. Yeah. And so I emailed Gary and I say, look, had the best summer ever. Uh, would love to be able to just like have two minutes to say goodbye. Big fan. He was like, cool. Yeah, come by the office. And uh, I had this sort of constant running joke with Tyler, his personal assistant, who um, could have like the other Tyler, who could have single-handedly ended my career like in a flash. He was like, "Sorry, Gary doesn't have time today." And I was like, "What do you mean? <laughs> it has to be today. Like tomorrow is my last day." And he's like, "Okay, just jump in this Uber. He's going uptown to see his family. Um, you can go for a ride and say what's up." And so that Uber ended up being like 45 minutes long, stuck in traffic. And by the end of that, I had sort of secured a job on his team. And the next day was sitting next to his office. And what was the job? I was told it was a graphic design position. Um, and then the first day I showed up and they were like, cool, we need you to edit video. Had and you I was edited like, video before? Very, very little. And I hadn't opened up Premiere probably in like two or three years. And so I was like, all right, time to figure this one out too. And so I sort of went into this six month crash course of like learning as much as I could about video. And then that snowballed into, you know, three years of being a personal videographer for him and traveled the world with him, got to design book covers and sneakers and all kinds of weird things around his brands. And that really is where I sort of, I think, became more of like a Swiss Army Knife creative. And because you were constantly just thrown a project with no direction and it was like, all right, either figure it out or we'll find someone to figure it out. What is that? What is the pressure of that feel like? Or w was it pressure? Did you feel pressure? Uh. There was pressure because I knew that I, like, had to perform and, like, you're, you're expected to, you know, if you get to that position, you're expected to know what to do to, like, solve problems. So there was always kind of an element of pressure and not wanting to lose what I was building. But also it was just fun, you know. And, like, we had a really good team. I made a lot of my best friends in the world there. And 
I, you know, I still look back and I miss the like 3 a.m. nights at the office when all of us were like in a conference room, like on our laptops, just kind of cranking away. Like it was such like an intoxicating environment to be around. So it was pressure, but it was fun pressure. I think it's interesting because earlier we were talking about um, personal projects. Yeah. And and then and so there's this difference between working on projects yourself and working in this creative group environment where you are like the energy is there mm-hmm. for you to kind of keep you motivated. Yep. Were you able to work on any personal projects during this crazy time? Um few and far between, yep. but I never like fully lost touch with them. And any time that it was, I was like building to a place of burnout and I was like, something's going to go wrong. I would always try and like take a few days off and either go on like a travel trip where I could like shoot personal work or just go, you know, for a walk in the city one night, like late and shoot night portraits or like whatever it may have been. But I never was able to like fully disconnect with personal work. I had to keep that at my core. And so you just prioritized it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, I think like work-life balance and stuff is weird and it's a, a tough subject, but yeah, I think you have to decide like where things, where you want things to be in your life. Like it's all your decision. I forgot to, uh, to say at the beginning of this, so you were, you were 18 when you first came here to create a vibe. Yeah. That was seven years ago. Yeah. So that makes you 25 now? I'm 25, turning 26 in a few months. So you've had a lot of experience yeah. in in this um, short amount of time. Was there something you used to believe that you don't believe anymore? I don't know if I would say, like, there's something I, I – actually, it was as I was saying it, I was just like, overnight success doesn't exist. <laughs> I don't know even know where that, like, jumped into my mind. Okay. When I walked out of this building at 18 and, like, felt like I had this cosign of, of Matthew, who was, like, a successful photographer, I was like – it's going to happen. This is my moment. And then like nothing happened for five years, (laughs) you know, like it was just sort of non-existent. So I think that's the thing recently, like as I've started to meet more people is understanding anytime there's a moment that something's happening in someone's life and you sort of look at that person, you're like, oh, they're, they're popping. Like the moment's happening. I'm like, cool. But they've been doing this for like 15 years. Like photography is the only job I've ever had. I picked up a camera when I was 10, you know, and I'm 25 and I still get hated on as like the young guy in the room most of the times. But like, it's just, it's the only thing I've ever done with my entire life. There is this, like, what makes somebody professional? What makes you allowed to call yourself a photographer even? Mm-hmm. Did you struggle with that? Um, I did. I did a lot. And there were definitely moments, there were a few times where Gary gave me like free reign at Vayner and I was like... I directed like my first campaign when I was 23. It was like the first sneaker campaign. And I like walked into a room where people who were like twice my age and they were like, wait, we're supposed to like take direction from this kid. I remember like the very first shoot, like my lighting assistant was twice my age and he was just like, had no energy for me whatsoever. I mean, like telling him where to go and everything. How'd you overcome that? Um, In the moment I was like, look, there's like a job to be done. I just have to like shoot this thing and then I'll deal with like the mental implications later. But it definitely throws you into a loop of like, do I have any like rain to say what I'm saying right now? Am I completely like off the rails and am just like throwing stuff against the wall? It threw me into a weird place for a while. I'm finally, I think coming out of that on the other side of like, okay, there's no way all of this has been a mistake. 
like all of it was just an accident. Like I think I figured out something. There's no way I think I've stumbled into the rooms I've stumbled into and have like walked away shooting the projects I've shot all by like just pulling the wool over everyone's eyes. Right. You know, and I think as a creative, a lot of times, like I don't like most of the work I make. Like I look at it and I'm just not into it. Tell me about a project. <laughs> tell me, tell me more about that because I think it's important to yeah to recognize that we we a don't yeah don't have to personally like a lot of yeah. the things we do because yeah. if you know, th- that comes into this like failure and mm-hmm. um, but yet you have to experiment and try yeah. and what have you and allow yourself to do that. So tell me about a project. What well, it's funny because I'm going through it like at this moment. Okay, like it's the first time I'm vlogging on a regular basis, which is cool because I'm like you know, the 18 year old version of myself always wanted to and just didn't know where to start. And so now that I'm able to like do it and I'm putting out videos and they're getting traction, like that's great. I've hated every single blog I put out. I've just like, haven't liked it. Everything I look at, I'm like, it's not where it could be. Like, this is a problem. That's a problem. The, the mindset I'm going into it with now is that, like the only way to get to the good stuff is to go through a lot of bad. So I'm gonna have to put out a hundred videos. I don't like before I figure out my voice and like what I'm trying to do. And so that's this self where our own worst critic, right? Yeah. And so when it, is there something you tell yourself when you look at this and you're like, oh, I don't like this. Is it looking to other people to say, no, that's really cool. Or is it just coming back to that like reminder? Like, Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I think it's coming back to the reminder, which is the hardest thing. And I, I understand that there's not, I wish I could give a piece of advice to like help unlock that in some ways for other people. But to me, like, I always think, like, it's going to be so cool in five years to look back at this video and be like, oh, my gosh, that's where I was. Like, look how cool the things I'm making are now. And so I'm almost like I like weirdly want to put out bad videos just so I can look back at them and be like, oh, my gosh, I've gotten so much better. I love it, though. Yeah. I, and because I think you you really are in your your residency this year, given this opportunity to be an experiment on yourself. Yeah. So let's dive in. Tell me more about the project that you are working on this year, which could evolve too, right? Yeah, for sure. Tell me about what you're working on. Yeah, it's in like its fourth version. And we just, we had a conversation downstairs and it completely, I think, changed the route I want to go on a couple of the episodes. Really? Which is really cool. Um, Tell me more. So the series is called Behind the Feed and it's a show about what it means to make it in like digital influencer culture. So... In the time I spent working with Gary, like we've got tons of influencers coming in every day. I'm like making friends with these people. I'm traveling with people that have big audiences. And there was this moment, I think a year ago, where I just kind of looked around and I was like, wow, there's a lot of stuff we're just not talking about. Um, and everyone, all these kids that are growing up today want to be like creators and influencers and YouTubers and like photography and video and YouTube's having its moment right now where it's really, it's like the cool job. I always like Gary always says like right now entrepreneurship's awesome. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, but when he was a kid, like entrepreneurship wasn't cool. When I was like finishing high school and had spent all my time like sitting in a computer lab, like editing and my lunch breaks and like not having friends, everyone thought I was dorky. Now I'm like the cool kid that went to my high school. Like, I don't know. It's weird. And so it's having its moment, but I don't think anyone understands like what they're getting into. If you're looking at it only on like the top level of YouTube right like there's a lot of there's a lot of struggle in this it's not an easy job there's you know countless hours and years and sacrifice and so much that's going into it that we're not that we're just not showing and so my goal with this project is to spend a lot of time with people 
who have built a career and an audience and are doing their thing and like pull the curtain back on their life a little bit and be like, okay, this is what the feed looks like, but here's what the other 99.9% of their life actually is just, and I'm not trying to bash it in any way. Like it's not going anywhere. It's a lifestyle. I'm living part of the lifestyle. Like it's like what I'm doing. So it's not like, I'm not against social media or anything like that. I just want people to understand everything that's going into it. What do you hope to achieve with the project? I think it's a couple things. So for myself personally, a lot of the projects I've always worked on are very much like, you know, you're filming for a day, turn around, cut the video, it's uploaded, like it's out. This is the first time I'm, I'm like thinking about a project. I've been thinking about the project for two months and I haven't picked up a camera to shoot a single interview of it yet. Like I'm still like, it's all just marinating in my brain. And that's a really fun process to like sink my teeth into something. So that's like the personal thing for me. And then I think my, my, my legacy goal is just to make like being yourself cool. Like if I can make it into a place where people are more okay with sharing their lives and it's not about renting a car to look like you're rich and famous, boom, like success, I can die happy. So it's, it's more shedding light that that's probably not a healthy or sustainable lifestyle at all. I'm really interested. Like there's a, there's a painter who I'm going to film in Toronto at one point. She's going to be one of the episodes and she's like making a successful career off Instagram with an audience selling paintings like through, through her Instagram. And that's, that's really cool to me. And I think that's like a really sustainable way to like build something. And I want to talk about the struggle and the sacrifice and like what actually goes into that. And then what's it like to have that many eyeballs on you at one time? You know, here's, here's like the battle that I'm constantly sort of struggling with. I, um, I've been doing work with this, uh, like private, um, helicopter and plane company for the last couple months. So yesterday or day before, whenever I was flying here, I took a helicopter from midtown Manhattan to the airport, right? A very like influencer, like cool guy move. And yet, immediately when I get off the flight and I'm, I'm walking through the airport, I was like, like, I just want everyone to understand something. This is super rare, doesn't happen often, and I'm sitting in the back row of economy on this flight. <laughs> so just, like, I'm, like, I can't afford to take that helicopter. It's because, like, they need content, and, like, this is how I'm building it. I just want to be transparent about it. And, like, there's a lot of cool things that come with this lifestyle. If I can help a company who can help me, great, cool, as long as I'm being transparent about it. Is there a, a mental health aspect to uh, the to the project? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's even pulling from my own experience. Like, I can I can scroll through my Instagram right now and see a bunch of people, and I'm like, I wish I had a life like theirs. And then I'm like, pull back. I'm like, that's not actually their life, though. That's all fabricated. It's a highlight reel. You know, if I if I post a video where I'm taking a helicopter to the airport. And I don't caveat that, like, look, there's a reason I'm doing this and all that. Then, you know, there's there's a kid who wants to be a filmmaker sitting, you know, in their parents' house in the middle of Texas. And they're like, well, I don't have that ability. So am I not a good filmmaker? You know, like you it's super easy when you're like living a fun life and like putting it on that you're great. You don't realize you're actually probably putting someone else down in a weird way. And I just want to like level the playing field a little bit. I want to talk about your tattoo. Which one? <laughs> oh, there's okay, a few. Let's start there's over. A few. Okay, okay. <laughs> is there one that you maybe it's the most recent that is most meaningful to you? Um, yeah. So all three of them, uh, and for the people 
at listening at home. Uh, I have three tattoos. The first one I got when I was pretty young, uh, it says work harder. The second one was the process. And then the third is memento mori. Um, and all three of them were at like particular turning points in my life. And it's funny. I can tell I'm like two seconds away from getting another tattoo soon. Like as I'm shifting into this new chapter in my life, um, memento mori is probably the one that means the most to me. It's the most recent. I got it, uh, I guess a year and a half ago now, um, in Costa Rica in a fairly sketchy tattoo shop. Sorry, mom. Uh, <laughs> um, and it's, it's an idea that had been on my mind a lot. Memento Mori is Latin for remember your death, um, which I was sort of introduced for by uh, Ryan Holiday, who's become, who's become a friend. Um, and it's just, you know, like it could all end tomorrow. And so no matter like, like the, the problem I'm having with this video I'm editing right now and like the struggle of like me being frustrated, like none of it matters. Like I just need to like take the pressure off a little bit because at the end of the day I could even though it's very dark, you know, and like, I, I feel like I'm always getting like morbid when I'm talking about death. Like I could walk out and get hit by a bus right now and it just, it could happen. And so I, I always want to try and have a good understanding and relationship with the idea that I could die one day. I will die one day. You know, I don't know when, but I want, I don't want to waste the chance I have here. What about the process one? Tell me about what was the turning point yeah. in your life when you got that one? So I got the process right when I, whenever I shifted from being a regular intern at VaynerMedia. I interned with Gary for a while. And then I finally got my like full-time job with Gary and like, yes, it's the first time I have a salary and like, I know where bills are, how bills are getting paid. And like the day after I got the full-time job with Gary, I was super depressed because it was like the journey felt like it was over in a weird way. Like I had got the thing I was building towards. And a lot of times I will be super frustrated in the process of like building towards a goal. And I'll be like, all I want is to get this thing. And then the second I get it, I realize I was way happier the year before while I was working towards building the thing. And I constantly forget. And so the process is literally just a constant reminder for me that like every day when I'm in like the nitty gritty of something or I'm trying to figure out a project and it's not working and I'm frustrated, that this is actually the thing I know internally I actually like the most. And I don't want to lose that. Like I never want to make it. <laughs> like whatever that means. I never want to get to the point where like I can just like chill. So you said you were couple minutes away from from getting something else yeah. so what can you reveal what that is i don't know yet okay, okay. All, all, every well it's funny every tattoo that i have i didn't know what i was getting up until like a week before i got it okay. and then as soon as the idea popped into my head i was like that's it i've allowed over the last i would say couple months especially getting into like the residency way too many voices that are not my own to get into my head and try to dictate the direction i'm going um all of a sudden whenever i have a big audience everyone can jump in and give their two cents about how they think my video should be made or what my videos need or all this and like i'm trying to turn off all those voices so it's going to be something guiding me into like only paying attention to the voice that's going on in my own head um because i think if you try to if you try to make everyone happy you're not going to make anyone happy especially yourself i love it I, i'm i'm i can't wait to see what if, is it going to be a word or probably I'll probably okay. follow the theme of okay. a word. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's funny. I think because I'm like a naturally visual person, I I'm fine with getting all the words in the world tattooed on me, but I can't decide on like a visual image or something like that. I just feel like I'll, I'll constantly go back and forth. All right, Tyler. So great to have you here back in the creative life studios. Yeah. Super excited to follow your journey. Where can everybody follow everything that you're doing? Yeah. Um, 
tylerbabin.com if you want to see my photo work that never gets updated at all <laughs> it still exists there um uh, youtube.com slash tyler babin is sort of my home especially for the next year that's where i'm going to be the most active and instagram at babin b-a-b-i-n thank you so much for being here absolutely thank you finally we brought we brought it full circle that's right full circle <laughs>